Hey tribe, welcome to Word Up with Danny Katz, your one-stop 5D superhero listening spot. Now, here at Word Up, we host a number of different podcast series, including Words Are Matter, Planetary Service Announcements, Witchy Life Hacks, The Conscious Awesome Show with my amazing co-host, Justin Polgar. It's where we play Spot the Propaganda together, and it's where we have high-vibe, deep-diving conversations with amazing humans. So be sure to hit that subscribe button and stay tuned for this week's episode. Today's Conscious Awesome show, The Eye of the Storm. Full disclosure, we recorded this in August of 2020 when the world had certainly gone batshit, but just not quite as batshit as it seems to in 2022. We recorded this as we record most of our podcasts as a video, which you can find on our Locals page, ConsciousAwesome.Locals.com. You want to follow us there. Yes, I am telling you what you want to do (laughs) because it's free and it's where we host all our videos and our live streams and it's where the community meets and drops in and trades ideas and encourages one another and it's where super fun things happen as well. Be sure to subscribe to us here to receive word of our every audio podcast and you can track Justin's amazing, amazing I'm going to stick with that. You can track Justin's amazing chocolate offerings at yescacao.com and you can track Danny's everything at dannycats.com and quantumlanguaging.com. Enjoy the show. Yes, yes, yes. And welcome to the Conscious Awesome Show with your hosts, Danny Katz. That's me! And Justin Polgar. That's me. And here in the Conscious Awesome show, we explore our consciousnesses, con- our plural consciousness, and uh, invite inquiry, conversation. Uh, obviously, we'd love to see your comments, your likes. Please share this episode far and wide, especially if you're tickled to. You know, when you get that, oh, this person would love this information? Just hit the share button. It's that easy. That's how we get the, that's how we get the consciousness to spread. Uh, today, in our lovely safe space here of Conscious Awesome, because mm-hmm. you know we have a lot of permission to talk about stuff here, mm-hmm. we're going to speak to and speak about being in the eye of the storm. Let's take a deep breath on that one. Ah, the eye of the storm with all of the cuckoo going on all around you, how do you hold that equanimity and that space of balance and not be tempted, pulled into loops of crazy? How How do you find that emotional balance, the sound, clear mind, the flexibility and comfort in your body during times of great tumult? Um, you know, with California fires going on, we have the election coming up. We still have the coronavirus things spreading. It's uh, it's uh, earworms. You know, people are still talking about that. The illusion of a coronavirus spreading, even amidst concrete proof and numbers that indicate that there never was a pandemic. Just what is? Can you remind me again? Um, when was it that the WHO? change the definition of pandemic? The WHO changed the definition of pandemic in May of 2009, which was right in the middle of N1H1 swine flu. And very similar to this coronavirus pandemic, Anthony Fauci was freaking out about all the deaths and all the projected numbers, which were yet again coming out of Imperial College and Johns Hopkins about how terrible it was going to be. Ultimately, it was deemed a mild flu season. It wasn't even like a regular flu season. It was so mild that it was deemed a mild flu season. But in the middle of that fake pandemic, 
the WHO changed the definition of pandemic. So they removed any mention of mass casualties or death or illness. And what doing that did was it allowed developing nations that were in bed with the Gates Foundation and various pharmaceutical companies for like polio vaccines and all their other bullshit. Um, it allowed uh, the Gates Foundation and these different companies to enforce forced vaccinations upon the developing nations because it had been, N1H1 had been deemed a pandemic by changing the definition. And what does it change to? Thank you for that clarification, that well-sourced and resourced, researched information, because I know you've put a lot of time into this. Thank you. Uh, what is the definition now? Like, what triggers something to be a pandemic? Is it just uh, opinion of health experts? Um, I think it's a widespread novel uh, illness. I can look it up, but I don't want to waste our time. Um, but you know what I can do is I have PDFs of the old definition and the new definition and i can post those in our links so that our audience can refer to them um, i'd love to see that yeah it's just like basically a novel widespread illness that they haven't seen before is a pandemic or they say that they haven't seen before exactly exactly yeah. even, it's fascinating. even when it's never been isolated or proven to exist so there's uh right so even in that conversation this is why this is why eye of the storm comes up as a topic, as a juicy topic, is in the midst of knowing this and having people all around me and probably for you and I think for our audience, there's a lot of people that have differing understandings of what's going on. And all of that confusion, because we often look to our community and our relationships and our relatedness in order to get feedback loops of how we're doing, uh, what's going on, when the people around you are running around batshit crazy, it's challenging to stay calm because there's that voice that goes, wait, is it crazy that I'm not being crazy? You know, that's that monkey mind being a, a backgammon player. Yeah, there's a lot of that these days. So I, I thought it would be a fun topic to dive into. Um, in different strategies, like what it is that uh, we both do when we feel that creeping or what it is that, you know, how to set our consciousness up for success in this particular time and any time where there's a excessive storm. Well, let me ask you, cause you just, you have a very, very, very pregnant wife. Mm -hmm. That's and true. Mother, and you were just evacuated recently because of these fires. So, in, in that eye of the storm instance, what strategies did you employ? Keep your, shit uh, and keep your family's shit together. Yeah, because it wasn't just my shit, right? It's my connected shit. Right. You know, it's like what, it's what I'm responsible for, which is generally, and I think we'll come back to this, is the things that we're responsible for are pretty local. Right. They're very, like, this hyper-local and then our, our close our close community. In my case, my family unit, um, which is, you know, their safety and our safety is, is very much my priority and our ability to, to live um, with some sense of predictability, even though that's an illusion, the predictability can come in the form of adaptability. And for me, that's always been such a, an important and high, for me, that's very high on the totem pole, adaptability as far as things to learn as early as possible in life. And so because I've been practicing that and when the environment shifts and you know, we had to evacuate our house, or I guess there was an evacuation order. Some people in our neighborhood decided not to evacuate and that's it's pretty ballsy, I think. And some people were there like, I'm gonna defend the fire. And even there was an article uh, locally in, in uh, like Outsider Magazine here in San, Santa Cruz of the local townspeople in Bonnie Dune who decided to stay and they basically saved the town from burning. Nice. Which is a, it's such a heroic story. It's such a beautiful story. They, I think they- they backfires? Do they? I, they? I think they protected and cut around different property lines. They were, you know, in communication with each other and would go and help each other, you know, their neighbors to, um, to water the areas and, 
whatever the strategies are. They defied the authorities and they took it upon themselves to follow their own guidance and intuition and they protected their community. I love that. Right, where, the, where it sounds like the fire, the, the firefighters were generally like, well, we have to let this go. Like it's gonna be too, too much. And so to me, there's like this balls in that. Like, wow, yeah. that's heroic and amazing. And I have a pregnant wife and a, and a two-year-old and I, I just don't feel like that's, I don't have that skill set. I have the, the willingness in some ways, but not the, the experience or the skill set to do such a thing. Yeah. Um, also, I think that would probably put Zoe in a, a higher state of stress, which is not my priority. I think being calm and cool um, is, is, is a big deal. And so we were able to, you know, we, we knew that the evacuation order was coming. We were like on the warning list and it was, it was kind of very likely going to happen. So we loaded up the cars in a few hours and drove both cars to my parents' house and then stayed there for a few days and then went to Marin and stayed with another, you know, at another house where we had sanctuary. And, it, you know, it was very much a good exercise for me to relax deeper into the trust that that I'm resourced and that when stuff happens, I don't have to freak out about Am I going to be okay on like the base levels? Were on the there base levels. specific strategies that you were employing to keep your and your family shit together during that time? Yeah, um, you know, I think that there there is some. It's funny. There's a little bit of a, a uh, catch twenty two in this because I think we find solace in routine, and when we have something that we can leave, like knowing these things are going to happen at these times. Yeah. Like, you know, and it's in some ways very easy with a toddler because there's like a wake up and then we eat and then we play and then there's nap time and, you know, there's like a certain order of things. And so I think keeping that framework and just being adaptable to the timing of it happening and waking up in a new place and it being, you know, even when we got back, it was like you know, we, hit, we got back to the heat wave. So it was like 97 to 100 degrees in our house, it's like so much chocolate melted. I've just been eating melted chocolate for the last week, which is I'm actually okay with. Way to make lemons out of lemonade. <laughs> yeah, or lemonade out of lemons, or did you mean to? Lemonade out lemons of lemons. Are, yeah, <laughs> I know you love lemons. I also love lemons. Way to take the health benefits from <laughs> lemonade and just extract the lemon. Um, so I, I think that there, there's just a state of mind for me of trusting yeah of knowing that whatever is being put on my plate i'm i'm gonna be fine to handle it I, there's actually never been a time in my existence where i've had something presented to me and i couldn't I, like something didn't show up or i didn't meet the moment yeah or even if i didn't meet the moment in the way that i you know wish i had in retrospect there's gems in that and I am sitting here talking to you. So whatever has happened has worked out. And yeah. so to remember that clearly and to trust. Um, so like sp specifically, I think there's holding, like keeping some flexibility with the routines. And at the same time, just anytime my mind would go into a fear spot space of like, well, what if our, what if the house is not there when we get back? And like, you know, we took the precautions. Like we took the zero to three month clothing bin for our new child that's arriving in the next few weeks or kind of could could be arriving right now. I don't think so. I mean, I check my phone pretty regularly, but you know, I think I they're- she's coming on Orion's birthday. I think she's coming on Orion's Hebrew birthday. Which is? The 29th okay. of September. They would both be born on the day after Yom Kippur, which is generally considered one of the happiest days of the year. It's like the day after your cleanse. It's like, I did it. I did it. Yeah. So uh, that's that's my. There's some synchronicities that are lining up to that, and uh, yeah, that's another thing. It's like I don't have control over that, and that could be kind of crazy making, you know, in the lineup. You know, I'm I'm leading into something that's a lifelong. There's lifelong impact to the child being born for me. 
So. But I, I think giving up control is really the key um, or relinquishing control or acknowledging the truth of the fact that we are never in control. I feel like so much of eye of the storm navigating has to do with being okay with not being in control. I feel like that's that's kind of the the gem of the Sufi, the Sufi, the dervishes, mm -hmm. the, right? In the dervishes, you're spinning and spinning and everything around you, you're literally embodying the eye of the storm. Yeah. There's something really powerful to that. And the other, the other night, actually, it was very, it was, it was fascinating because as we go back, back home and, tr and establish new, like getting back into our rhythm. And at one point I was spinning around in circles with Orion, like really fast. He was not going to sleep. And I was like, just allowing my intuition to pull on different strategies. Like toning wasn't working. Hip hypnotizing him with abracadabra wasn't working. He was just a wiggle. He was the wiggliest little wiggler that ever wiggled is basically the vibe that was going on. And so I, I was holding him and I started spinning around dervish style. And he was really into it. Like I could feel his body like really relax. And he was making these sounds like, ah. And then uh, there was a moment at which the dizzy and the spin hit his boundary. And he just grabbed onto me like hard, like fear of, you know, fight or flight style. Grabbed on and looked at me and he was like, no. And I stopped spinning and I looked at him or I, I slowed it down just so that it would be a little bit gentler. And I could tell that he had hit his, I'm out of control, that's scary to me. Mm -hmm. It was such an amazing reflection. To, and then he fell asleep like two minutes later. But there was that pattern interrupt that needed to happen where he lost control. Oh, this is an interesting, this is a cool little caveat that I'm understanding now. Is he lost control, then was held and told mm -hmm. that it's okay. And then in the pattern interrupt of him, like trying to control and move the pillows and make sure that all the stuffies had the right blankets on and all of that, make sure the right books were read. He's a Virgo also. Um, in that loss of control, the pattern interrupt allowed him to get centered again. Interesting. Well, also I would imagine simultaneously expanding his capacity to be comfortable while out of control, expanding his capacity to keep his shit together in the eye of the storm. And he, he also, he does, he spins on his own all like pretty regularly. Like he'll spin until he falls over and he'll laugh. Which is just such a fun childlike innocence thing to do. Totally. So that, yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that we're hitting on some keys with like during a evacuation and having a wife that was, you know, 35, 36 weeks pregnant and that could happen. And, and it was just one of those things like whatever happens, we're just going to meet the moment. So he goes into labor right now, and we need to deliver the baby here in this house with like no furniture, all just open and like whatever. We'll get the towels. We'll call who we need to call, you know, to have us you know walk us through because we were far enough from like where our midwife is that it would have been, and or you know if it needed to, we could go to the hospital. It's not my preference, but like there are there are things, you know, it's not like I'm gonna be alone out on the edge of this cliff and someone's going to push me over the cliff and then nothing, you know, and then it's all over. Like there's this tendency to go to the worst case scenario, which actually, which actually reminds me of, uh, of an exercise that I learned from a Tim Ferriss book, which is uh, worst case scenario visioning, which is kind of opposite of what we like to do. Taking it to the worst, the worst, the wor then what, then what, then what, and then you kind of dispel the fear. Yeah. Which is powerful. I think for some consciousness, like some states of mind, that's a very, very powerful exercise. Super powerful. It's, in, you know, in hearing you talk and being in contact with you when you were evacuated, I, I have tended to go to, and I, I, you know I'm not a fan of the privilege conversation. I think it's totally bullshit, especially the way it's being framed now as though the only, um, the only realm of privilege worth mentioning is the amount of melanin in one skin and not the various like hundreds of different categories. So I'm not a fan of it on, on any level. And like when you were in that situation with Zoe and Orion, I, I go to the privilege of like, 
plenty of people, you know, who like live in huts with no shoes have figured out how to give birth without the luxuries. And I do go to all the other people through all of the different, you know, eons of time who've made it through whatever storm I'm navigating or I'm afraid I'm going to have to navigate. And just remembering that like millions and millions of people have, have made it through and that I can do it too. It's a very powerful mantra. And one that I, <clears throat> one that I invoked quite a bit in, in when Orion was born, like leading up to Orion being born and then in the first two years of his life is we're not the first people to do this. Exactly, exactly. And one of my mantras, which you've heard me say a lot when something feels like harder that I can't figure out is that stupid people do it all the time. Like I used to say that with right. knitting, you know, like I'm never going to be able to figure out how to knit a sweater. Stupid people knit sweaters all the time. Like I know that's not the most PC way to do it, but just remembering that we're not alone, that we're not navigating this earth game alone, that other humans have figured it out, I find to be very comforting. Yeah, it's very comforting. And then because there's this understanding that we're all connected, I can tap into that. It's going to be more difficult for me to tap into in a fear state. Uh, if I'm not in the eye of my storm. Being in the eye of the storm and the calm and the equanimity gives us so much more bandwidth and access to connect to that logical and genealogical connection. That, that space of we are connected to the people that have done this before and we're not alone and just be here to open your just be here and, and allow for the things that we have preferences. We have preferences of like, I'd like it to go this way and I want this. And like, you have preferences, you have problems, you know? Totally. And I, so what I hear you saying is radical presence of like, there's all the things that we're afraid are going to happen, but those are generally future-based projections. Like what if Zoe goes into labor and we're not home? What if our house burns down? And so I feel like another big eye of the storm piece is radical presence and radical gratitude for the blessings, comfort, safety, support that we have in that radical present moment. And remembering that like there is no safety or security. Like even though yes, in a way, for sure we are all in the eye of the storm and it does seem like it's intensifying, kind of in any moment we could be in the eye of the storm. It's you know, a choice. But at any moment, you know, like, there could be an earthquake and the ground beneath my feet could split in half and I could fall through. A meteor could fall through my roof right now. I could have an embolism, you know, like these things could happen at any time. So a lot of it is like a giant game of musical chairs of, and just staying present and trusting that spirit has us and we're, you know, right place, right time. And if there's an action that needs to be taken, we'll be guided to take it and we'll be resourced to take it when the time is right. So much of it is, is just like future projection. And, and it's just such an inefficient use of energy and attention and telomeres and all of that. Adrenals. Adrenals. I had, so when you mentioned this, this topic to me today, I had a vision of when I was waiting tables. I waited tables for 12 years. And I was always like, you know, I liked it when it was slammed and it was like hustled and I was a great waitress. And so for my 12 year waitress career, I had never dropped a bunch of plates. That had never happened to me. But you know, it was always in the back of my mind when you're clearing a table of, you know, like a huge table and you're gathering all these plates and you're dancing around people like, oh, what if? And it was like right at the end of my waiting career, you know, my 12th year and I'm clearing plates at a really big table and I felt my balance go off. And I was, I just had this moment of like, it's happening. And I totally surrendered and totally relaxed. And this huge smile came over my face that other waiters mentioned to me later. And I just opened my arms and was just like, okay, I'm going to be totally in this happening. And it was, I mean, yes, of course it's a mess and it's loud and it's embarrassing and all of that. But it was like that moment where I was like, okay, that scary thing is happening now. I'm going to fully give myself to it. And there was something in that 
I just felt like I rocked it. It was like an initiation, an eye of the storm initiation that I'm really happy about the way that I handle it after 12 years of worrying what it would be like. It's so beautiful. I, I, you've told me this story before and I still get goosebumps and I get so, I get giddy because <laughs> of that. Well, there's like a pattern that, you know, there's like a, you know, you're in a restaurant setting. You don't expect to hear something breaking, but things break all the time. You know, and so there's this, and it's not the end of the world, you know, the restaurant probably has more flatware, more glasses, probably. Yeah. Um, so there's this space where you, in the moment, because you were in the eye of the storm and because you remained in radical presence, you responded to the environment instead of reacting to it. And that, yes. that's a, that's that, that subtle line of, like, oh, this is happening, this is how I'm going to hold myself, as opposed to, I'm gonna try to ride this one all the way to the end, and I'm gonna break, I'm gonna break with all of these plates. Well, and I think that's another big piece of it, is remembering, you know, like, as you and I were talking about before the show, like, how we're modeling humanity for humanity. And so, so much of the fear of breaking a bunch of plates, I think is also, at least for me, like the embarrassment, right? And having everyone in the restaurant be like, oh, she fucked up. And I've, I feel like one of my favorite strategies in the eye of the storm is holding my shit together to be of service to other people and modeling calm and, and safety and stability when other people are losing their shit. Like for me and my particular cosmic makeup, I tend to shine in those moments. That's where I'm the strongest. And so I feel like in the restaurant during a busy lunch, if customers and waiters and whatever had seen me frazzled and scrambling for it not to happen, that energy of my frantic panic would have spread. But there was something in my energy of like, this is happening and it's totally fine, that then I modeled that for the people. And, and in you know, my sense of that, it made it less of a drama and less of a big to-do than if I had freaked out while the thing that was happening was happening. It was going to happen anyway. It's just like, how are we holding ourselves? Yeah, that's so delicious. It's the surprise, not sorry. You know, exactly. it's, that, it's that space of, you know, when I've bumped into something or dropped something, I go, surprise! The energy is so different spreading into, because there's this, there's this empathetic embarrassment that happens also. Like we have empathy yeah. when something happens to someone else. It's like, ooh. You know, and some people show up by laughter. Or you know, it's, it, there's an, an emotive element to it. And to model that really, really profoundly and deeply rooted in radical presence is, is an efficacious thing. I had, an, I had a vision last night. Um, it was such a... It was such a fun little stony. I was like sitting by the fire. I was like just a little altered, just enough for the fire to just kind of be talking to me and you know seeing patterns in the fire and being relaxed. And I thought about popcorn. I thought about popcorn. And I, I was wondering if the heat from the air popper was responsible for directly popping each popcorn or are some of the popcorn kernels popping because the one right next to it popped and that thermal thrust, that thermal explosion got the other one to pop next to it? And it went into this whole vision of consciousness popping and con consciousness awakening. And, you know, just in the way that popcorn does. And it goes pop, 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 And it had this whole... Um, cascading effect mm -hmm. that I'm imagining you know that what reminds me of like when we model eye of the storm we're you know we're giving permission we're, we're popping other people's popcorn to know that a they can do it that way and b if we witness someone do it that way there's a sense of safety in even though we don't have safety and security we have we do in that response exactly exactly and that's I love that you had that vision of the popcorn. Like I'm, uh, it's so fun. It's so funny. It also, you know, I know I'm, 
I, I've been playing around with this David Hawkins Eye of the Eye book for like two years because I don't want it to end. So I just read like little bits. And his thing, as I've heard a lot of enlightened speakers, masters, teachers say that there is no causality and that that's like a giant illusion that we live in. So I like what you, you know, the thing with the popcorn is that the heat is not the causality. What if it's just like the fellow the fellow kernels giving permission to the other kernels that like it's pop time. It's pop time. And that is so much eye of the storm because you think like how much, and who knows what we're in for? Like, I, I don't know <laughs> how this is all gonna, gonna play out over the next couple months, but I know so much of what, what I have experienced in my life and so much that we've experienced over the past few months is like this psychological, what if, Maybe it's not like a physical experience manifestation of terribleness. It's like the threat of yeah, terribleness. It's the threat of and so that and that is passed from human to human of like, hey, did you hear this scary thing's gonna happen? And then that how that person transmits that information is gonna be transmitted to the person they're speaking to, and then that creates this chain reaction of like fear and hysteria versus, you know how we choose to model, how we choose to communicate the information we know. Like I was at a, a barbecue over the weekend and there's, you know, the inevitable conversation these days about like forced vaccinations and all the terrible things that are going to happen. And my, my take on it coming from what I'm, you know, what I'm tracking, my intuitive knowing, my understanding of the circumstance is that's not going to happen. And it's not happening now. So even if it was, and I don't believe it is, it's not anything that I need to spin out about and start creating all these like complicated plans and strategies around. Um, and I saw that in my stance of like, it's not gonna happen. I could just feel the other people at the party like, oh, like we're allowed to have that perspective on it. Yeah, there's something about the shiny little objects that are part of mind control and part of programming and telling visions that these shiny objects that have like slippery slopes that it's almost like they're designed for the mind to take a journey into them and and kind of go thought to thought to thought to what if and then and then all of a sudden we're living in the embodiment of that experience and it's not you know we've we've coasted away from the eye of the storm and you know, it, it's interesting because I think people have been saying that a lot. It's interesting in this conversation. I'm, a, I'm aware. I'm listening. Stuff that you're saying. <laughs> interesting. <laughs> um, well, I, I don't need to preface. And I, like, I don't need to preface, that, pref, uh, preface each of these things. Sometimes we do that conversation and we'll say, you know, it's interesting. Or, it's funny that or, you know, I am do these things. I am that conversational tick when people say it's interesting. And I'm like, you're telling me that what you're about to say is interesting. Like you're, yeah. you're editorializing your own opinions and including me into how I'm supposed to think about what you're saying. Right. Get this. It's interesting. Okay. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there are people that have different skill sets. Each of us has a different skill set to meet different types of external stimulus and internal stimulus uh, with the storm. So for some people going into being a, a parent or having another child, there's something biologically repeatable, like it's happened before, kind of a lot of times, that it's easier for them to relax into that natural phenomenon than to relax into political theater phenomena and global control and all the different trends and things that are not so local. And I think it's a different skill set to stay in the, uh, in the calm because we want to be informed. I want to be informed, so I pay attention to things. Some of these things have these shiny, like, oh, what if this happens? And then that would happen, and that would mean that this would happen. And how am I going to prepare myself for that? Preparing myself is actually just taking a breath right now. And return to the eye of the storm. Yeah. The eye, there's something so, so, so potent about being in the eye. Well, and I think it's another piece of it is that people can get so, um, like we can feel so isolated that it's all on us and I'm gonna have to figure everything out 
and what am I going to do? And I feel like there's a forgetting that the multiverse is actually very kind and this is a co-creative experience and that the resources will appear in divine timing when we need the resources, when we need the allies, when we need the clarity, when we need the, you know, the next vine. Like I don't, if I'm hanging from a vine and I've just grabbed on, I don't need the next vine yet. It's not until I'm at like the apex of the next swing and trusting that it'll, it'll appear, but there's so much of this like, like kind of over prepping and feeling like we're, we're all in it alone. Um, and it like spins people out. That's such an interesting yeah. thing to, to speak that we're in this alone. It's almost like a funny PSA. Totally. You're we're in, in this alone. alone. You're yeah. in this alone. <laughs> You're in this alone. Yeah. One thing that we can count on after 60 years of trusted service is that you're in this alone. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's uh there there I'm being reminded of this, you know, guru saying just so potent for for presence and the idea of learning to walk. That so many examples and so many analogies stick with me from guru sings I don't know, 500 hours of listening to his podcast right before podcasts were podcasts yeah when it was like on our itunes library and it was like so precious that we had recordings of him it was and and just the way that they would kind of i would just look forward to it differently it was you know there was less there's less things in the uh in the storm as far as the storm of podcasts so guru singh speaks to the art of or like how we learn to walk which is failing forward and then catching ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's like you lean forward, your momentum goes forward, and sometimes you put your foot in front of you, and sometimes you don't, and you fall, and then you get up, and then you put your foot back in front of you. As we get more adept at walking, we become really proficient in failing forward and catching ourselves, and we forget to pat ourselves on the back for that learned skill of, I'm, I'm putting my weight, I mean, in as far as physics is concerned, my foot needs to be in front of me in order for this to work. And it does like 99.995% of the time, you know, about the same percentage as you have um, of surviving um, any kind of Corona virus. Corona event. Event. I feel like Probably our experience with psychedelics has prepped us to be very adept at being in the eye of the storm because when you take a psychedelic, you are willingly stepping into the unknown, willingly jumping into the mystery and like, I have no idea what is going to happen and what I'm going to be presented with. And I definitely think that there is a benefit to having done that enough times to get comfortable with the unknown and, tr and to know ourselves and learn like to be able to rely on ourselves. Cause so much of what I'm seeing right now, you know, we look at, you know, so many friends and I have had this conversation about like, why can't people see what's going on and why can't they face what's, and you know, like, why are they, why is there this denial? Like, why is there this refusal and this willful ignorance? And you know, so much of it I feel is just like, people don't know who they are. They don't have a sense of themselves. They don't know what they're, they're capable of, of. They don't know their strengths. They don't know their empowerment. They don't trust themselves to be able to handle shit. Um, and I think that skill is something that we develop. You know, it's a place doing psychedelics. It's not the only place. But I think I'm noticing my friends who get it right now and who are dealing in truth and are looking at things. And they're generally the people who have done psych a lot of psychedelics. They're also people who, you know, don't brush their teeth with fluoride and are very on top of their diet. And there's just like a clarity that allows them to know themselves and a willingness to put ourselves in situations where we have tested ourselves such that like now we've developed this deep trust in our ability to handle things. And to handle the unknown. And I also have the experience of, uh, of speaking with and being with lots of people who've done lots of psychedelics and still true you do have that yeah. <laughs> i do have that too 
it's you know it's both and but i i do think that there's a skill set within the it's all in how we hold it right so i remember early on in my psychedelic explorations um you know wondering like what is this thing like a people talk about a bad trip like it's a bad trip like i i don't really have a reference point for that like i have had some scary moments at different times but i've always come through and i um I had an experience where I was kind of sick. I had just gotten better from like a week and a half of, I don't even know what hit me, but it was like full, all color loss from my body, let every which way cleansing. Albino syndrome. Albino syndrome, yes. I had a full case of AS. <laughs> and um, I thought I was better. I was like, okay, I feel generally better. I'm like 95% and it was New Year's. Eve and I thought I'm gonna eat a bunch of mushrooms and I proceeded to have a very scary very intense out of control adventure that you know it was like you know things would turn into demons and it was it was very much and like there was relevance into I could see that whatever was cleansing from my body was showing me what it was there was different ways of understanding what was going on. I didn't feel like it was coming out of nowhere I could see that I was reaching for control and grasping some type of understanding. And it was such a powerful night of, of learning, you know, like I've learned a lot from really potent high vibe journeys and also from very challenging journeys as life is. And I decided, you know, as I kind of came, came through that passage that it was really important for me to, to go back in, and resolve and check out, make sure that any dust that was left under the carpet was addressed. And where I see a lot of people, or I remember seeing people who would have a bad trip or a bad experience and saying, I never want to do that again. And I'm like, no, that's not the way to do this. Like, yeah, get back on you, the horse. Get back on the horse, go back in, sort your shit out, then, you know, resolve it, button it up, take responsibility, these things. And, um, you know, these things aren't, this is not taught. This is not part of the curriculum of being a human. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. It's another piece that jumped up before you jumped into the bad trip piece, which I do think I, I, I agree that like, it's helpful to have those and to go back in to know that we can face our fears and reclaim our relationship with these medicines, um, traveling around the world. And, um, not knowing where we're going. And it's so different now with the iPhones, right? And totally. the, the staying connected. Cause I was, I remember when our friend Justin went to Thailand and he had that big trip and he was texting me and he was like having dates with people on Bumble. And I was like, wow, that is so different than when I went to Thailand, when I was around the same age as Justin. And like, I just didn't see or talk to my friends for months at a time. And it was like, there's no, None of that was an option. And it's not to say one is better than the other, but I think as far as like exercising those muscles of being able to navigate the eye of the storm, traveling in other countries by ourselves um, is a really great way to, to up those skill set, to put ourselves in situations that are scary and realize that we can handle it is really key. It's such a, it's such a delicious and important part of, just of, of self-knowing is being in that foreign environment. It's a very 3D experience of, I'm gonna 3D put myself in a foreign environment where maybe even you know the letters of the signs, it's not like I can phonetically spell them out. And I immerse myself in this space so that I can uh, you know, get the feedback loop, find where I can manifest magic. Uh, remember what it's like to be a human being, being, you know, free and being unencumbered by uh, the societal responsibilities and being more responsible in a biological and consciousness expansive way. Yeah, exactly. And I also think it's the other piece of learning that the universe is kind and that we are in this together, going back to this piece, because I could, I mean, there's so many instances of travel where like I've been in crazy situations and it's depending on other people. I was in 
Costa Rica and I was bit by a bullet ant and I couldn't physically walk or move and I missed my flight, you know, one flight during the week to the other side of the island for a yoga treat retreat I was supposed to go to and I ended up hitchhiking across of, I'm sorry, not the island, the country. And I ended up hitchhiking across Costa Rica with one bum foot. And it was just such a great way to realize that people are awesome and that people mm -hmm. want to help and that people are friendly. And I learned so much from just that little, like I'm so happy that I got bit by a bullet ant and that I missed my flight and that I decided to hitchhike by myself and how it all just worked out. And when those things happen, you know, whatever's coming down the pipeline now, like, yeah, it's scary because I don't know what it is, but I know myself and I know a bit how the world works that like, we'll all work it out. It's going to be fine. And, and because we're Conscious Awesome, this is the Conscious Awesome show, we remember that we are more consciousness than human in a way. You know, we're, we're being lived through these instruments, meat suits, whatever you want to call them, whatever feels you know, home for you. Um, but really making home in our consciousness and expanding our consciousness and the eye of that storm to be wider and like just nesting it, really like putting you know, having your altar items within your psychic space, having the certain totems, certain things that you can lean into, certain adaptability traits, and, and designing the eye of the storm to be a place where you feel home, that makes such a big difference. Even when we're leaving this, this like all of the issues that we generally feel fear around are, are mortal reasons, generally. Yeah. You know, and so when we connect with, that I love this mortal journey and I know that there's a there's a time limit on it just there's a time limit on it and so for me to invest so fully in this is how it has to be in order for my ultimate survival is actually a flawed narrative as opposed to just embracing this moment so that I can be connecting to my consciousness and connecting to my human experience both while that's available and then at some moment my connection to my consciousness is going to kind of overshadow the experience of the humanness and then on to the next, which I trust is going to be, you know, death is luckier. De death is far. What is, uh, who writes blades of grass? Walt Whitman. Walt. Walt Whitman. Was it leaves of grass? Leaves of grass. Yeah. There was a couple of things going on there. Which, uh, by the way, and we'll save this for another time, but is a very special, lucky, magic tome for me. Walt Whitman is? Leaves of or Grass. Or Leaves of Grass. Uh, I, I could go back to that. That's a really good one. A good one. I think it, it's uh, death is far more... Death is more... It's like more expansive. It's like beyond what you can imagine and luckier. Like there's just something about uh, framing our life where we don't ignore the, you know, the negative consequences, which could actually be amazing in the way that they manifest. Well, of course. I mean, if you hear anyone talk about their white light experiences or the vast majority of white light experiences, they're so much like bliss and ecstasy and downloads. And clearly we don't understand death and we in the West have a weird relationship to it. But I, I also think it's really crucial since we are the conscious awesome show and those who are playing the game of expanding their consciousness, like you look at anyone in your life who you admire, you know, like, like people who are really brave or who are really badass or whatnot. And generally they've developed like the, the, the aspects of their character that we admire the most through adversity, through intense situations that they were thrown in where they had to pull things out of them that they didn't know they could access. And I think another piece is like, like this is what we see going on right now with the fake pandemic, is there are these people who want to be safe and protected, which in a sense is kind of like dead. Like you look at the, the lifestyle that people are signing off on right now, I'll just speak for myself, this is not a life, you know, like children being isolated from one another and no contact, like, I would rather risk death personally, even if this was real. 
but you look at this idea about safety and there's like a stagnation in it. You know, it's very much fight club, you know, like the Edward Norton character had his Ikea furniture dialed and he thought he was done. Right. And I feel like the eye of the storm gives us an opportunity to grow and to expand and to tap into these aspects of ourselves that we didn't even know were available and we wouldn't know were available if we were just sticking with the safety of the status quo. So I think there's another piece in being excited about what the universe is setting us up to learn and discover about ourselves and to have that sort of adventurer's mindset about being in the eye of the storm. Mm. Co-creative yes to that. I feel like that's a strong, that's a strong point to end on. It feels really good. I, I'm you feel happy. really good. You feel great, TK. Thanks, Justin. You, it might be my new camera. <laughs> oh, is it working? It's working. I, I, I don't know if you can see me better, but. You just, to me, you're just always, you're, you know, as someone who's in the eye of the storm, I think you're just always developing into more fullness of yourself and more beauty and more grace and more uh, softness, but then also more sharpness at the same time is with whatever is more adaptable. But the, the picture is really sharp. Yes. Thank you. Yes. Well, thank you to our audience for uh, riding along in this Eye of the Storm episode. Next week, we have a, a pretty special, pretty excited. We have our first guest next week, episode 25 next week. We have our first guest. Should we say who it is? Yeah. What does your conscious, awesome intuition say? I think it's a surprise. Okay, let's leave it a surprise. Uh, thank you, Conscious Awesome, for tuning in. Stick with us in the variety of ways that you can by liking this video, sharing, subscribing, visiting our website at ConsciousAwesome.com, and as well um, by being connected to the grid of Conscious Awesomeness as you popcorn your fellow human beings. And we're in this... We're, we actually are, without the stigmas, there is a togetherness of this. We're all in this together. Yes. Together we are one, as Thich, Thich Nhat Hanh likes to say. Yes. Thanks, Thank Justin. you, DK. Bye-bye. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Word Up with Danny Katz. Be sure to give it a like to share it with your nearest and dearest. And remember to subscribe to the channel so that you don't miss a single episode of your very favorite podcast, Word Up with Danny Katz. We'll see you soon, tribe. <laughs>